Hey guys, I hope uh, all is well and you and your family are staying healthy. Welcome again uh, back to the Grateful Living Podcast. Today I am uh, lucky to have Obi Nuwanko um, joining me. Obi is a full-time model, actor, author, and entrepreneur who has modeled for companies like Puma, New Balance and American Apparel, among others. He's a 2017 graduate of Boston College where he also ran Division I track and field. He now lives in LA, but does work in New York City, LA and Boston. And he is the son of Nigerian immigrants and has three siblings. Thank you for joining me, Obi. Thank you for having me, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it. So um, let's, let's, go, let's go to the beginning. Um, huh. where, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Um, you know, what was some things you know, in your childhood, maybe, uh, that were important? Yeah, so I, I grew up in, in Boston, uh, Massachusetts, primarily. I lived in Boston for about 10 years. And then when I was in about third grade, me and my family decided to move to the suburbs, um, a small town called Canton, Massachusetts. It's about 30, 40 minutes away from Boston College, so it's not too far away from the city. And that's where I grew up, you know primarily my that's kind of where my whole existence and memory kind of derives from because you know you don't really remember anything most things post 10 years old um besides what a fraction of uh um, memories so that's where i grew up that's where i spent a majority of my childhood and my parents grew up in nigeria um they grew up um and they moved to um the united states around in their early 20s um my mom moved here my dad moved here they both went to school in boston my mom went to harvard university um where she studied biology and chemistry and then my dad was a business um major at northeastern so that was kind of like my background so like when i was a kid they were very stringent on uh school and uh, having a good education and then as a result of me being so focused on education allowed me to have the freedom you know when you when you grow up when you get that good report card it's kind of like immunity to do anything you want you can start asking all the things on your to-do list like yeah so like i wanted that t-shirt i wanted this i was like my thing was i just wanted to play sports and they're like i mean you get good grades i don't see any issues with that so that's kind of how i started to get into sports and i virtually played every sport growing up played football played baseball basketball soccer tennis ran track um eventually and it was because my parents gave me so much freedom and i used my um educational freedom to dive into my athletic freedom so i was like oh this season i'll try this sport next season i'll try this um and that's kind of how things just kind of started flowing as a kid awesome how um you know, important was the Nigerian heritage on you growing, like you guys growing up, was there a part of, was it a part of like, you know, you know, weekends, were you meeting up with other, like, was it a big thing? Oh, like uh, like kind of like a, like kind of how was the Nigerian community in yeah, terms of sports? Nigerian, no, the Nigerian community at all um, around- all facets of life? Yeah, or yeah. So the, the community was, was, was very close. Um, the, the Nigerian hub, a lot of Africans moved to um, the East Coast, so Boston, New York, and a lot of them moved to 
uh, Houston, Texas, and California. So like those are the four main cities for Nigerians. And the, the primary reason for the East Coast, Boston, New York, it has the best schools. Um, Nigerians are very focused on education and, and career development. So those are those are the hubs for the best schools and obviously the best jobs. Nigerians focus a lot on jobs like finance, lawyer, science, um, really all that. And then Houston is also a big hub for them because of uh, real estate. Um, Nigerians love real estate. So also another thing into business and hot weather. Yeah. So they go to Houston a lot. In California, California is just a great, it's, you have the weather, you have the schools, you kind of have everything. So um, they move there a lot. But as a kid, the Nigerian community was very close um, because of my church that I went to. My family used to attend church very frequently, like Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays sometimes, Fridays, Sundays. Like So I could be in church four or five days a week. Wow. And that was just normal to me. That's That was legitimately all I knew. So all my friends were from church. So um, we all met up. I saw them every single week, like on the regular. And, you know, that's kind of how we started to grow, like our faith together, um, manifest things. And like, we didn't really know what was happening because, you know, we're, we're yeah, yeah. so little, but it was, we, we appreciated it as we grew older because we, we built up all these qualities and traits from like discipline, consistency, faith, um, obedience, um, and just respecting your parents. We all, um, it's, that's a big quality. Like um, as a kid, I was always told I was so polite and I was so confused because I didn't intrinsically think I was that polite. Cause I'm like, wait, these thoughts in my head, I'm not saying them, but like, <laughs> like what's coming out is like, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Like that's just how I greeted anyone and yeah. so when i whenever i like um would be over my friends houses and i'd always greet everyone in the house they'd be like they'd be like to my mom yeah bring obi over again he's so polite we've never had someone who's this polite so it was like i was building these qualities that i really know had so much effect on people um growing up so the community was uh was uh was was really good um in boston for sure was um so now the where you grew up, where there, um, what was the diversity like? You know, yeah, from from High Park, from moving from like I used to live in the actual city of Boston okay. to moving to the suburbs. It was a big transition because I was around majority um, African American kids, uh, minorities. Um, growing up as a kid so that's all I saw I was like I always saw people looked like me so it was it was it was never an issue that I moved to the suburbs and I went there went from being like maybe half the class is black to oh I'm actually the only black kid in the class and so that was a big culture shock for me as a kid and it for years it kind of closed closed me in i would say for maybe like i would say in about third grade it, i felt really closed in just because i didn't i didn't really know what to do i was so like outgoing but i wasn't sure i was like no one looks like me i would I, I was just i was just so confused so um i would say my so my first year living in the suburbs i stayed in all the time all i did was read books and to the point where my third grade teacher actually called my mom was like is there something wrong with Obi? Because we had um, we had to fill out these little book slips and write summaries on our books, and she was like, "He read over 
like a hundred books this month. Is it? <laughs> like, does he do? Like, we just want to know if he's actually because they didn't believe I was actually reading. And then my mom's like, no, like he legitimately comes home and he finishes basically one to two books a day, and on the weekends he'll finish like three or four every day. And the teacher's just like, you need to get this kid outside. Like, <laughs> and so that's how I started interacting with kids because. My parents started making me play sports. So that's um, how I started interacting with, you know, kids from all races, um, like white, Asian, Indian, like Spanish kids, like every, my town had basically every race. So that's how I started interacting with kids. And people gravitated me towards me because I was, I was just so authentically myself and I was just good at sports. So when you're good at sports as a kid, it's kind of like an automatic. It's like, oh, word, you're on our team. Like, we'll talk to you. Yeah. So that was kind of like, now obviously you're you uh, are an entrepreneur was that something as a kid you were doing you were doing lemonade stands and things like that or were you did the entrepreneurship come later in life and you know maybe in your childhood you were just you know you were living you were doing school sports yeah um the entrepreneurship it, it was it was it was very early on um I noticed I always I was very keen to always wanting money and I think my first job was actually when I was about 12 years old and it wasn't a job that I could just apply for and get it was a job that I actually sought out for so I started going in to 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 just stores and asking them hey do you guys like need help with like you know sweeping cleaning um, taking out the trash, like, you know, just or doing anything. I was just trying to do anything to make money. And one suit store, like, hired me. And I would just clean shoes. I would, um, I would take the... I would take the suits to the laundry mat across the street, pick them up every single day. Um, yeah, and I was just doing all the busy work that you know the owner didn't want to do. That job, I think at the time, paid me about ten bucks an hour. Worked about eight hours a week, so I made about eighty dollars a week, and then you know roughly about three hundred twenty dollars a month. Yeah. And as a little kid, that's a lot of money. So like I was, I always had money early on as a kid, and I did that job for. For, for years and on top of that I would start um, doing people's driveways um, and then started just actually working jobs um, because I started to save up more money I've worked jobs at like Hollister Starbucks um, I was sales representatives for like Cucko which is like the knife selling company I don't know if you have yeah, yeah. that yeah I sold direct TV Verizon wireless in the middle of um, like BJ's and targets, like so I'd approach people. So it was like all these jobs that I did as a kid, I wasn't realizing the qualities it was building in me at the time because I, for example, the cutco knife, I had to call, I had to essentially cold call people. So that took a lot of fears. Like, all right, I'm just gonna use my network and just try to make money off of it. And I would call people, call people's parents every day, and then do presentations in front of them. So that got me really comfortable in public speaking and talking to people, being able to articulate myself in a very structured, you know, precise environment. And then my job at the Verizon, selling Verizon Wireless at Target was one of the hardest jobs looking back at it because like when you go to a store you're trying to go in the store in and out you're not trying to buy really anything else so i'm just like this guy interrupting people on their way in and out of the store trying to get them to buy cable most people already have cable so i'm either getting them to switch to 
a new cable provider or I get a cable provider. And I would get told no over a thousand times a day. But all I needed was one yes with yeah. companies like just get just get one person to sign up a day. And so that got me really um, good with being able to, um, they, they, I think Winston Churchill uses this quote and um, about success. He says, success is going from task to task with, uh, with this, without losing enthusiasm. So um, I had to go from rejection to rejection without losing enthusiasm about my job because it's very easy, like at two or three o'clock, you've heard about 500 notes. You're like, no one's gonna buy it today, but you still have to present everyone with that same amount of energy um, so that they do buy it. And so that that taught me, that taught me like a, a lot. So I would say that's kind of where my entrepreneurship really grew. Yeah, you have to be comfortable with no's and, and rejection and still stay the course. That's a big part of entrepreneurship. Yeah. Was that um, something about the way your parents raised you? Like that they wouldn't give you an allowance or anything? I mean, where did that, where do you think that that- oh, Like where that oomph came from? Yeah. yeah, I would say the oomph really came from, it was around when I was, uh, I think it was about a, around 10 or 11. So my, 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 my parents did very well, um, you know, like in, in their fields. And, you know, my mom still does very well in her fields. But so my dad was a my dad was a businessman. He worked in finance. He worked his clients, some of his clients were guys in the Boston Red Sox, some NFL players, and then like some celebrities. So he like managed high portfolios. So he he did he did very well. And then my mom was like a scientist, so she um, she did very well as well. So like growing up as a kid, we had everything that we needed. Um, but then all of a sudden. Um, my parents got a, got a divorce, so they were separated, and then my dad left for Nigeria, so it became like two strands. My dad, obviously, my dad made a lot of money, so it was like he was the major strand of income, and then it became just one strand of income, and then there's four of us. So in my mind, I essentially took, you know, the head of the household at that time, because I, I was the oldest boy in the family, so I was like, all right, I need to always have money, and I need to be able to provide for like my other siblings if they need anything because I don't want to stress uh, my mom out. So I just started finding jobs and working jobs. I would say I've been, <laughs> I've been working jobs since I was about 11 or 12 years old, like actually making thousands and ten thousands of dollars every month, like before I even entered college, like it was just normal for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I would say that's where the oomph came from. It was because I didn't want to ask my mom for anything. I wanted to pay for my sports. I wanted to pay for my food. Um, I just wanted to pay for everything. So incredible maturity for. Yeah, a I had to grow. It was, yeah, it was. It was like I had to, I I had to become mature so quick. Like it was like it was like one day um we were living in it was like a six bedroom mansion in the suburbs we had one of the nicest houses to the next day i'm living in a hotel like it was just like life just happened so fast and i just had to adjust i had no other choice and you were 11 when they got 11, yeah i was 11 years old that time it was it was uh right before it was pretty much it was a couple years right before i entered high school how did that um i mean that's a you're, that's a tough, I mean, you're going through like enough, you know, puberty and things like that. And <laughs> was that something that was dragging on in the household for a little, like, did you, like, they were arguing and things like that? Like, yeah, it, 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 was, it was like, it was like, the, you know, the, 
um, the divorce was happening, but they, they kept it very like, you know, between them. So it was like when it happened, I was kind of confused because I didn't, I didn't really see any signs of it. And then it was like, once the divorce was finalized, he just, he just left, like got up. It was like, my dad was a businessman. So he traveled a lot. So like one day he was like, Oh, um, I'm going on a business trip. Um, I'll see you in a week. And that was just very normal for me. Um, I was like, Oh, he, he always travels. Like his clients are everywhere. So, you know, he's got to go to certain events and, you know, just got to please your clients. And then he just never came back. And that was when I was about 12, about 12, I think it was like my, right before I entered high school. And so like that as a kid, just like confused, confused me on so many levels, but it brought out really the person inside of me. It was like, I needed to, you know, I could complain about it for years and let that be my story or I could change the script and, and write my own story. So I just, that's where my faith in God and like believing myself manifest myself. It's like, all right, if I'm going to do this, like I really need to work so hard because I'm so disadvantaged now. Like I don't even have a father anymore. And like this, I can see that these emotions are affecting me. Let me put these emotions into something productive and let me just try to be the very best at it. So I was just like, I'm going to always make money. I'm always going to do good in school and I'm always going to do athletics. And that was, and that was just like my like, non-negotiables for myself. Um, so I could make something out of myself just so, because I saw the way my my family struggled for a couple of years after that. And I was like, no, I'm never going to allow the struggle to be like within our family name ever again. So like it, it brought out so much. I would honestly say it was, you know, it was, um, I thank God for it happening because I could have really coasted on and been just a little more comfortable, which probably would have put me like this in a flat line, you know, couple like ups but like definitely it wouldn't have not made me work so hard just to go straight to the top you know the top might have happened eventually but it would have taken time because i was so comfortable and you need to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to really bring out the best in you yeah it drove you to be self-sufficient and exactly was there um was there a point at which like you know after like a month where you guys as a family realized like like did he communicate to you that he wasn't Coming back, oh, like, I, I I probably didn't hear from him for for maybe I I I remember the first time I heard from him because I was still at I was I was in high school I think it was my sophomore junior year in high school and I was at my friend's sleepover so it had to be about junior year because this yeah. friend group I started to become close with at that time there was my friend Aiden we were in his basement and I get a call from a Nigerian number and it's my dad and I answer it. And it was like, I was like, hey, hey, Obi. And I was like, I was like, who's this? He's like, it's your dad. I was like, what? I was like, I think I was 17 at the time. It had been almost six years from hearing from him. And I was just so confused. And, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was just, it was just a lot for me to deal with at the time. But every single time, like, I thought about my dad when I was a kid, it just motivated me to be a better version because it was like, I didn't think he was a, bad person i just i just thought he did a bad thing so it was like i didn't think he was an actual bad person I actually you know wanted to be very because i thought i was like he was just so so successful like to the point where we could 
we we would be able to go to the Red Sox games. Like I met, I got to meet like Johnny Damon, like Jason Baratek, like back in 2004 when the Red Sox won the World Series. He got a ring. He gave it to me. Like I was wearing a World Series ring in in, in high school. So like I loved baseball so much as a kid growing up because I was like, this is so cool. Like I get a, I don't know, like in with these players. Um, and so it was like I always emulated my dad in that sense. So. Yeah. So did do you think that that um I don't know, did it make you guys closer as a family? The so Yeah, know? definitely it definitely made us closer. Like I would say me and all my siblings were just we're we're so close and it's 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 really magical because I see other people and their siblings. Some of them might not be as close and um it just makes me really appreciate what I have like with all my siblings because we had to go through so much that like it just bonded us so much together. Like you gotta scream, you gotta fight, you gotta love, you gotta hate. And so that just brings you even closer. So it was really yeah, it was it was really a gift. Good. Do you have um you know, do you have any relationship with him at all now? Is he um, pretty, pretty non-existent. Funny thing, it was actually my, uh, my, it was my birthday last week, and he called me on my birthday. I hadn't heard from him in about a year. Um, he's been calling me. He's been, you know, trying to reach out to me a lot more lately. Um, just, yeah, he's just been trying to reach out a lot more. I think as you know, you become a little more successful. He's like, whoa, 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 that's my son. I created him, type thing. So. Um, it's like, I'm, I, I, I've told him like, I'm open to having a relationship, but it's going to be on like my own schedule and like my own time. Um, right now it's just like a busy time. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I told him I'm, I'm open. You know, we can, we can like talk. I don't have any resentment towards that's, him. That's like, really good on you. I'll love. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so I guess, so now, so we're, you're 11, you're going through, you know, parents divorcing and things like that. Um, were you were you doing track and field at that time? I started I started track um, when I was thirteen or fourteen years old. So I started track in high school. Yeah. I was mostly prior to high school. I was mostly doing um, football, basketball. I was so and baseball. I'd say those were the sports I was focusing on. And then yeah. when I went into high school, it was that decision. I they kept on playing football, kept on playing basketball, and then it was spring. And I was like, damn, do I join the baseball team? And everyone's telling me to do track because everyone was like, bro, this guy's lightning on the football field. Like, you got to get him to do track. And I was like, no, I play baseball. And so, like, they convinced me to go off for the track team and not play baseball, which was like, which was like, no one thought that was going to happen because baseball was my number one sport at the time. It was like, baseball was just the clear number one. Yeah. Um, and so I quit baseball just sporadically and I joined the track team. And my first track race did not go well. Like I came in, I think I came in second of last or almost dead of last. I ran about, you know, 72 seconds. In the this, this is freshman spring? Yeah, freshman spring. Yeah, freshman spring in high school. And then I remember telling them, I'm quit. I'm going to quit. Like, <laughs> I'm not good at this. Like I told y'all, like, I just, I, I like, I don't have track speed. I just have, you know, like sports speed. Like I'm in, I'm game speed. Like, like bro, you have it. You just, you just don't know how to run yet. And yeah. so I just kept on going with it and uh, it just kept on, you know, getting better from there. Was there, um, you know, so at, at some point, was it, sophomore junior year that colleges started recruiting you yeah i would say it was most yeah it was it was junior year yeah 
because so, sophomore year, I started getting the recognition. Like, I was starting to get invited to, like, special, like, more elite meets. So, like, where I was able to, you know, face, like, better competition. So, like, that's when things, like, really started to emerge. And, like, it was, like, after – it was, like, during my sophomore year, like, I remember, like, my coach, like, sat me down and he was, like – He's like, if you like really commit hard these next two years, there's no question in my mind that you'll be, you, you'll go to vision one. You just need to like commit fully to it. Like you need to, um, you can't be playing basketball because, because I messed up my ankle um, sophomore year and I was out for the rest of the season. And he's like, you can't be playing basketball. You can't be playing football anymore. You got to only run track. And I was like, damn. So I quit football, quit basketball, quit everything, stopped even playing it recreationally, except during the summers, you know, you got to have a little fun. Um, and I just stopped playing and I just committed myself fully to track. And it was like, I just started seeing dividends. And like, I think my junior year, I think B BC was like the one of the first schools to contact me. Um, it was my junior year because a kid on my team was already on the Boston College track team, John Vaughn. Um, yeah. He was running sprints for them, and so he told them about me. So they started, um, you know, putting me on their radar. And then I think after my junior year, this is what like kind of changed the whole scope for me. Was I was going into my senior year, you know, I didn't have any offers. Like no one had offered me yet to like fully go at their school. People were looking at me. I was getting all the athlete, all the good athletes on school were getting sent mail, like, you know, recruiting mail. So I was getting recruiting mail from like Michigan, UVA, um, Stanford, UConn, all these schools, but it's just like very generic. Like they're just giving it to like the top people in the state, but nothing specific. So I went, I was like, I need to get myself really on the map. Like I need to, you know, qualify for nationals. Like I need to, you know, run at these now, like I'm running at the top Massachusetts, New England meets. I need to be like one of the top fit national meets, like where the best kids go. So I went to, I signed up, there was a college meet and that's why I thank myself that I always work. So I always had money to like, if I want to do something, it's my decision. Yeah. So I signed up for a college meet and um, paid, paid for myself to get down there um, and paid for myself for my meet entry and all that stuff and got like, paid for my own jersey because I couldn't use my high school jersey and run with it. So I paid for everything, cost like a little over like a hundred dollars and I just to run in one meet. And I was like, wow. okay. In high school. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, I'm paying a lot of money. Just, I usually run for free. Now I'm paying to run. I was like, so I gotta run fast. And so I ran at this meet and I ended up winning my heat. And like against these college guys. It was like, you know, it was just like a Ross Buster. Like it's like the meet two weeks before they even start the season. It's like their preseason, preseason. Yeah. And so I ended up winning because I was just, I've been training all year for it and I qualified for nationals. And after that day, the schools just started coming in because once you qualify for nationals, it's like, it's like you're on a separate list of people that yeah. are specifically sent out. So schools will like only look at kids who qualified for like the nationals. And so BC offered me like um, UConn. I was I was getting recruited heavily by UConn, like Michigan, UVA, all these schools. They actually, you know, the coach. I'm already having conversations with their coaches, and like we're talking about me going to their schools. And so um, at the end of the day, I ended up just choosing BC because um, 
I wanted to be close to home. And I always liked Boston College. My friend was there. So it was, it was kind of like a no-brainer for me. So that when was that meet? That was your senior fall? Yeah, that was my senior fall around December. Yeah. And it, it came full circle. I mean, you like having jobs and side jobs and things like that. I mean, that allowed you. Yeah, because I wouldn't have been able to pay for it. Like it would, that that would be something I pull. I my mom would have paid for it because yeah. I would have shown you know so much interest. But I'd even have to ask her. It was like it just would have been another thing I would have had to ask at that point, which I didn't want to do because I'm like I'm about to be going to school, and I didn't go to BC for free. So yeah. I chose B, like I I got a lot of um academic like I was doing very well academically in school anyways I was in mostly AP classes um and so I I already had like a high GPA so on the basis of getting into BC I could have gotten on my own merit so when I got in they gave me an academic scholarship because they didn't have any athletic scholarships for the men's track and field yeah. team so I think they covered about three quarters of my way to go there and you know i had full rides from other schools but i was like i wanted to go to bc so bad that i didn't even care i was like i was like go to college for free or like end up paying like 60 plus thousand dollars at the end of the day but this is like where i feel like i need to go and so i i went i went to bc and you know i was like it just made sense to me yeah now how was um how was BC? How was, um, you know, were you doing anything related to, you know, modeling, acting? I mean, you, you, you have a busy schedule as an athlete with school and, you know. Yeah, I wasn't doing anything related to it, like whatsoever. It was, it was always, it was, yeah, I was, uh, I, was mo I was mostly focused on like entrepreneurship at BC and athletics. Like I really, like wanted more than anything I wanted to do well in athletics at BC like that was like my big goal like I obviously wanted to do well academically um but I wanted to make an imprint athletically just because I thought it was so tangible and it was I was so capable of making it happen because the year before I just set my high school record so I was like oh I want to go to BC and set my college record too like that'd be cool like because no one at our like no one that i knew at that point was really you know they were good high school athletes but um very few people were like exceptional college athletes and then you know we had some kids in our town um, we have a couple kids in our town who play pro now but it was like those kids who played pro i was just like holy crap like i don't even know how you do that um like nhl nfl yeah. um in those leagues and so i always admired um kids like that so i wanted i just wanted to do the best i could at bc it wasn't necessarily my dream to go pro um but at, at some point you you realized you were pretty i mean i have here that you you broke 10 school records yeah it was I th yeah i think it was about 10 yeah <laughs> i mean at some point you were you realize you like, I mean, obviously through hard work, but that you had a chance to maybe even go the professional route. Yeah. It was, it was like my junior year. Like I think when the conversation was first brought up with like my coach, he was like, he's like, yeah, you know, you, you, run, you know, like my coach, you know, he's very, my coach went pro too. Um, and so he was like, like he knew about the whole like um, path and transition, but he was like an NCAA champion, like not even, 
not even we're not even talking about school record holder like he was the number one in the country and he was like he's like you know the way you're running and you know you're still young and all this stuff like he's like there's so much and you don't even really fully commit i mean not that i didn't fully commit to it but there even now i'm looking at him like there's ways i could have changed my diet eaten better um not partied like (laughs) like if i just didn't party at all i guarantee i would have been a better athlete (laughs) um so there there there's so and he was and and he said and he thought i could i could go pro if i fully committed myself so like when he for someone on his stature say something like that to me it made me really believe it um and yeah but I was just so focused on just being my best in that moment and then seeing where it took me. And so it was the school record and just walking out of BC the best from what they had. Like I wasn't trying to compare myself to other schools. I was like, I just want to be the best person here so we can like make a name for ourselves and it can pave the way. And so that was just my record from day one. I would eat. What, what, what drove you? I mean, what, how, like, you know, cause there's so many college athletes and then, you know, people think once you get there, like you made it, but that's when it begins. Like, yeah, <laughs> obviously that's a huge step, but you know, what was the difference between you and, you know, somebody else on your team that, you know, maybe wasn't work. Like what drove you to be, to get 10 school records? Like how, how, yeah, it was, I, I always just want, I guess as, as a little kid, like when all the stuff happened, like with my family, I felt like I couldn't, like there was, there was that little slight doubt in my head that's saying, oh, well, things that happen to people like this, they end up not becoming anything. So I was just so afraid of not becoming someone because of like my life circumstances. And like when you're a kid that young, you don't really understand that that's not true because all you can only take in like what your experience is and what you see on tv so like when you see the dad that leaves his boy and then the boy nothing bad happens he starts having issues with his family they live like in the slums like you don't hear the stories like the boy his dad like black boys black dad left the kid became extremely successful did all these amazing things they don't tell stories they weren't at least when i was a kid they weren't telling stories like that and so i wanted to make something for myself and I always I always took so much pride like in my name and like who I was and I was always having these dreams like and I would always say they were like faith dreams and like God would just be showing me like all these like records billboards like my names on a list and so I just believed in it and so my one thing was for me it was like I'm just going to be consistent I'm not even going to focus on, I'm just going to do this every single day. And that was the main difference between me and the kids right next to me. Like a lot of them actually came in more highly recruited than me, had way faster high school times than me, but they didn't do it every single day. Like I'd be in the bubble. I'd already work out on Wednesdays or Tuesdays, or Thursdays, Fridays at like 12 for like three or four hours. And that'd be in the bubble doing sleds at night, like, you know, talking, I like I was very close with the people who like ran and they let me sit there for extra time and I just do sledge, just running faster and faster and faster. And on the weekends, like I I I basically did not take many days off when I was at BC. I just didn't. It was just yeah. not an option for me. Like I I maybe I could have committed more time to recovery, but I was six, seven days a week. And on that 
and maybe on that seventh day I would just stretch or just like swim but I rarely took days off and yeah. so I would say that was the biggest difference between me and other kids yeah. excellence is a habit I mean it's easy to score you know 25 points in an NBA game once but yeah, yeah. how about you do it 82 <laughs> difference is is that's impressive that's awesome so you, you said that you, you did a little bit of entrepreneurship in college? Yeah, I was, um, I was mostly, so I was mostly run, um, I, like, I think it was about senior year, um, I started creating like clothing, um, and I started creating, um, I created like kind of like the entertainment promotion company, it was called like Titanic Entertainment, so I was running that, and you know, so I was just doing a lot of event planning. And so that gave me a lot of flexibility because I mean, people, people, that's why these, these promoters and entertainers who, you know, do the Boston nightlife. Yeah. If you, if you know what you're doing, you can pull in a lot of money. There was some, like as a college student and I, and I hate to like, you know, I, I even, even now, I guess it's fine now because it's looking back on it. So it's a story, yeah. but I never talk about like income or like money or any of that. But like for, for this, just to give people's perspective yeah. on like what you can do as a college student to gain flexibility is I was some nights I'd walk out with like $3,000 just from throwing an event. Like, I'm just like, I mean, and I didn't have to work a job in school because I, every summer I always had an internship. So, and then my freshman year summer, I was selling Verizon wireless at Target. (laughs) And then I worked at Ernst & Young for like two summers. And then my senior, my senior year, I was like, I'm just going to start this company because I just need to, you know, put this money that I've been saving into you. So I started creating merch, clothing, and I didn't sell any of the merch or clothing. I just gave it out for free because it was great publicity. Like people, people would just wear it. And so it was just good branding. And then, um, did you see an opportunity when you were like 21 of, of, a, you know, creating a club promotions company? I mean, and were there partners involved or? Yeah, I was, I was work, one of my friends from BU, I was working with her and then we had, we had, we probably had about 15 to 20 kids that were working with us throughout Boston. Oh. So like kids from Harvard, MIT, BU, Suffolk, Babson. And so, yeah, like I had like employees, which was like super nice because when I started traveling for track, um, I can obviously go out. Um, and so like these, these people were kind of like overseeing all the operations and I would just kind of like, you know, handle things from the top end, from the top and then just trickle it down. So yeah, we had, it was, it was, that was also very gratifying because, you know, kids, you know, you know, finances are a big thing during college because we're just all little college students yeah. most of the time. And so it put money into other kids' pockets and just seeing them being so appreciative of like having flexibility in their life. Like, oh, now I can quit my library desk job. I don't have to work on it anymore because I'm making a couple hundred dollars from this and I don't have to pay for drinks anymore. So it was like, that was like gratifying for myself personally. That's awesome. Um, So as you're graduating from BC, where, um, where were you headed? At that point, yeah. so I so I got a job offer beginning of senior years um, from Accenture, and it was a job offer in Boston, and so I accepted it. So I was supposed to work in the Boston office, and then came home around December slash January, um, and 
it was snowing and I was training for track still in the snow. I was just miserable. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to be in Boston anymore. And my <laughs> main reason for staying in Boston was because I'd grown up there and I wanted to keep on growing this company. But then it came to a point I was like, am I just going to stay in Boston just to grow this company? And I realized when the answer was no, that I wasn't that passionate about the company. So I was like, oh, there must be something else going on. What's gravitating me towards California? I was like, oh, that would be cool to, you know, explore the entertainment industry. Like, it'd be nice to, like, you know, do some modeling. I was like, oh, that might be cool. Or I was, I, I just thought it was, it was just be a cool idea. So I was like, so I emailed HR, dropped up an email. I was like, oh, my family's thinking about moving to California. Can I relocate to the LA office? They're like, uh, you already accepted Boston and you haven't even started working yet and you want to get relocated. And I'm also asking for higher pay because LA costs more and I'm asking for bonuses. So they're just like, who does this kid think he is? <laughs> he hasn't even worked one day and he's already asking for demands. Yeah. And four, uh, three, three months later, they hit me back in uh, a March, March day walking to, you know, Carroll School of Management and uh, what, what was our building called? The, the, was it called the oh the Carroll? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I get an email from them, and I got the offer to move to the LA office. And when that happened, it was like the most scared I've ever felt. And I realized why I was so scared is because it was like this defining moment, and that decision was going to change my life forever. That's why that I was terrified. I, like I called my mom. I was like, "They accepted me, but I don't think I want to move to LA." She was like, "Well, you have to now. Like, you can't go back to the Boston office." Yeah. I was like, "I was like, damn, I don't even know what's going to happen. I don't know anyone there." I was just kind of, I was just saying this to say it. Yeah. And then I moved to LA, um, and it was just. California was just such an eye-opening experience. Um, yeah. So you you moved out there with a with the job offer. Yeah, with the job offer. So when when did you get involved with like modeling and things like so, that? So over so then we grad so we graduated in May 2017, um, and after we graduated, I. I, I had this major loss of identity. It was it was like something had been stripped fully from me. And I, and I remember very specifically because, you know, I was going out with friends, you know, partying a lot just because I was like, oh, I don't have to, like I, I just committed the last couple months of senior year. Like I was, I was sober as a goose. So I wasn't really doing much because I was, I just want, there was, there was still the outdoor relay record that we had it that we hadn't broken. And there was still a time in my 400 time that I wanted to hit. Like I wanted to run like 47 and 46 in the relay. And I just wanted to do that. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna like turn up or any of that stuff. So I did it on my last meet of my college career. Um, so it took Woody to the, to the wire to make it happen. And um, so after, after, after I finished um, all that and we graduated, traveled a little bit, went to like Vegas, Miami, visited California for the first time just to check out houses. And then I came back and I just started taking pictures. Um, but I started losing weight because when I went to California, I saw how like fit everyone was. And I was asking people about the modeling industry. They're just like, you know, like you just like I was still I was still fit and athletic, but I was just I was just so bulky and I'd put on so much weight from like 
three weeks of partying. So I went from like 195 to like 208. Oh. Uh, no, 213. 213 was my max weight. I gained like, oh my gosh, I gained 18 pounds. And like, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I put on that freshman 15 right <laughs> when I graduated. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 came, I came back and I just started collaborating with photographers. Ended up booking the ESPN commercial, a commercial that aired on ESPN. It was like for a company called Core Power. Yeah. And it was a football commercial. And then so What's over the summer, time? Huh? What, what time period was that? So this was May, June. So this was June. This was June of 20, end of June, end of June of 2017. And then I was still doing photo shoots, June, July, August, moved to LA in August of 2017 sure. and had this, you know, it wasn't a good portfolio. Looking back on it now, I'm just like, holy crap, I thought these pictures were like amazing, but they weren't. <laughs> and just started applying to agencies um, all across LA, getting rejected by agencies. But thank God I worked for Verizon Wireless, so I was already used to getting rejected. <laughs> and, and one agency, you know, finally was like, yeah, like we, we like you, we'd love to, you know, have you. And then it kind of just started from, from there with that one agent. What, what, um, was, did you have a friend that was doing modeling? Like, how did you think about what? So my friend, John Vaughn, okay. um, who, who, who I was talking about earlier and that ran track with me in high school and at BC, he was like a, did modeling a lot as a kid. Okay. And his sister was very, um, successful. His sister was a supermodel, legitimately a supermodel. Um, she was like one of the top models in the world when she was like at her peak. Um, and so like they had a lot of knowledge about the industry so like you know he'd always like he was kind of like the person that would be like hey like, you know you should do it you should do it and like you know kind of guided me throughout my journey wow that's awesome so did you did you end up starting your job in la and were doing yeah <laughs> yeah so because it was like i came to la and i had a, about a week before my job started and yeah and I, so i started working almost immediately and then so i essentially was still trying to figure out this whole modeling and acting thing so it was mostly using weekends and then thank thankfully i started work i got to start working from home so i really started got to figure out um you know learning about the industry actually going to auditions um networking with people because i had a little more flexibility i could just set up at a coffee shop next to where my audition was and then during my lunchtime just you know, go real quick. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. what um, that's what I was doing for a vast majority of the time. How many um, no's do you think you got before you got a, a yes? Ooh, actually, it was crazy. My first ever thing was a yes. Oh, my, <laughs> my first ever, and it was a, and it was a big yes. It was a, it was a Nike yes. Oh it was <laughs> it was it was a Nike commercial. It's still one of it's probably I think it's Nike's number one most viewed and like engaged commercial of all time. It was Nike's commercial in 2017 with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and I think Paul George. And it just went absolutely berserk. So I was supposed to be one of the basketball players um, in the commercial yeah. and that, um, that like crosses that like uh, gets like crossed up and like the kid go and then I try yeah. to recover and like um, um, block the kid. Yeah. And, 
they asked me to be in the commercial. This was like the first thing I ever applied for, any audition I ever applied for. And they hit me back immediately like, we like your look, we want you in this commercial. And I was, and I was like, oh yeah, this would be awesome. And I was like, wait, I have a job. <laughs> like I legitimately, I have a full-time job. Like, holy crap, how am I, it was shooting for three days. I was like, I can't just, I was like, I just moved here and we had to be in Chicago for, for work training. Oh, wow. And it was like, we had to be there. It was like, it was like, what do you mean you're not gonna be here? It's, <laughs> and so I told Nike, no, I was like, I can't do it. I, I have this job and I was yeah. so upset. I was like, that I was, I, I was legitimately in tears because I was like, wow, like this, my first ever opportunity, I'm already saying no. And then from that on, I was like, I'm never gonna say no to a project again. Like I'm always gonna make it work out. Like, cause there's always a way. Yeah. Wow. So, um, what were, I don't know how the modeling industry works. So what, like, do you just submit your, you know, your photos to a bunch of agencies and, and then is that what? So the, there, there's, there's, there's like two, two, two ways, um, it works. So, you know, you can have, you can either be like a freelancer or you can have like an agent. Um, and so, to get an agency, you have to go into modeling open calls um, or submit your pictures online. So if they like your pictures that you submit online, they'll email you and ask maybe for more pictures or for you to come in. And if they like you during an open, an open call is essentially you go in, it's a designated time frame. Um, it's usually only an hour once a week. Agencies will hold in to see new talent. You'll go in, um, they'll look at you, they'll look at your portfolio. So if they like you, they'll take pictures of you. Most of the time, they just will take the pictures just because it's polite. Um, and then, if, and then if they want more, they'll they'll call you in later on, or they'll ask you to stay at the place. So you, then you can meet more and more people on the team. Yeah. So that's how you get an agent. And then to get auditions and bookings, your agent can get you and submit you your pictures for casting. So like the Nike will contact agents so they'll have more of an open casting call on like certain websites like LA casting is like a casting network site that you have to get a subscription to have and they'll have the calls open on there and your agent can submit you but if you don't have an agent some some of the calls will be on the casting websites but not all of them yeah. um so some companies will only be looking for like rep talent or highly exclusive talent so like the the notion is if you have an agent you're like a little bit ab above level and then certain agents kind of get you you know kind of towards that next tier because of their connections and their network yeah, um, it's just kind of how life works and then so then if you don't have one then you just pretty much submit or use your network to get opportunities what was your path um it was it was it was a combination of both. Like even, even, even till now, I still, I still submit myself. Um, yep. And I have, and I would say I probably have between, between agents and managers, I probably have over, I think it's about 12 now between LA, Boston, New York. Um, so like, I still submit myself. Like I even have like a manager who's like dedicated slowly to me. doesn't even matter. I still submit myself. Like I'm not yeah, gonna lose out on opportunities, and I always think no one's gonna work hard as you for you as yourself. So I'm like, you know, there's stuff that my agents just assume that I don't want or aren't high enough paying. Where I'm like, 
you know what? I'll, I would still do it. It's a cool company. And so, because for agents to make money. You can meet from that too. Exactly. You never know the connections you can meet and, you know, the relationships you can establish. Right. And for agents, the reason why generally, so agents make it on a range of 10 to 20% on your bookings. Yeah. So let's say you book a thousand dollar gig, they'll make a hundred or 200. They'll make, let's say it's 20% just for a number's sake. They'll make $200 on that. Yeah. Um, so for usually for the agents I work with, usually they're, they're like big, they're like bigger agencies. So like they want gigs that paying the 5,000, 10,000, like ranges like that, because then, you know, they make a lot, a lot more money. They make a thousand dollars on a 5,000 gig. They make $2,000 on a 10,000 gig. Um, so they won't submit clients on like things that cost a couple hundred because it doesn't do anything for them. It's a waste of their time to make 50 bucks. Um, so that's, that's kind of like the premise, um, behind certain agents. So at what point did you, um, you know, do you, I assume you quit your job and then went yeah. full time? At what point did you, what was that? So that was after the first year um, of working. So I, I, I worked, I worked for about a year and in, initially it was, it was even like more so quit. I just, I, um, I knew in myself I was quitting, but I just took time off. Like, I was just like, I'm not, I'm not coming. I'm not going to work. Like, I don't want to work right now. And <laughs> like, like, I was like, I just don't want to work. Um, and I just got promoted. And like, after my first year and I was, and so I knew I had the leverage. So I was like, you know what? I, I think I need about, I was like, I legitimately, because it was, I was still kind of in that, you know, threshold of like fear and doubt when I was like, you know what, I'm willing to take this chance on modeling and acting, but I kind of just want some fallback. Like, I just want to make sure, like, if I just fall flat on my face that, okay, I didn't quit. I just told them I didn't want to work. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so I, for, so for that year, I just focused solely on, on, on modeling and acting. And I would say, I think I, I told them September of 2018. So from September till January, I didn't work a single job, like not a single one. And I was like, whoa, I, uh, um, can I, I was like to myself, I was like, damn, can I even do, like I was going out on auditions and everything, but I wasn't booking yeah. uh, anything. And so I was, I kind of went home and kind of talked to my mom. We reconvened. She was like, she's like, you know, God didn't bring you this far. For this to happen like you know just keep going and believing yourself so we went back um to la and i think on that january date it was like i just started working like non 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 non-stop it was like it was like the bookings were just coming left and right i think i i think that was the first time i worked with like jc penny it was like american apparel then they ended up booking me for multiple other things and then like microsoft and then just a bunch of companies it's i just ended up not stopping and so it was like when the year mark came back to Accenture, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm good now. Like, this is, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Like, I, I even forgot I told you guys, like, that I would come back potentially in a year. And so it was like, it was like, that was like my full, full quit. I was like, oh, I'm fully out because I had been able to make a full-time income from acting and modeling and even a better income than I was making at the company. So I was like, I'm, I'm fine. So you you were at Accenture for a year 
mm-hmm. you were doing modeling on the side. Yeah. That's imp- I mean, that's a lot of hard work. Yeah, it was it was oh a, it was God. a lot to balance. Yeah. What'd you say? Sorry. That's a lot of hard work you were doing mm-hmm. that. I mean, you know, full time job and then just working on the side the entire time on on photo shoots and stuff. Yeah. It was, it was, like my first year in California, it was just like life was just nonstop. It was and it was nonstop because I knew I had to put in so much overtime because my job was committing about anywhere from 10 to 12 hours of my time a day. So if I, and I still wanted to be a human. So like hang out with people, meet, I'm in California. Like I want to meet new people, like make friends like in Cali. Um, And so it was, it was, it was a lot to manage. It was, I would say, I think on average that first year I might've slept like honestly four, four hours. Like that was probably the average amount of sleep. Like it was 20 hour days, which is, it was automatic. It was happening. Like if it had to be 24 because I had to work all day and then work out and then like be on set all night and then go to work the next morning. Fine. I'm doing it. (laughs) I'm doing it because this is, I told myself I wanted it. So obviously it's not going to be easy if like you want to maximize on every opportunity. So when I first started off, I was doing anything I could, I could do. I was doing background work, being an extra, like it didn't matter. I was like, as long as I get on set, and the nice thing is like a lot of shoots, you know, have different time frames. So like some of the, some of them are night shoots. So I was just doing a lot of night shoots and I, that's how I met a lot of my friends in LA, like yeah. on set. Yeah. And then I would, yeah. And then sometimes during the day, if I was booked for something, I'd bring my laptop and, you know, do work. Most of the time for some sets, you're not even working all the time. You're just kind of sitting there waiting for your, if they book a lot of people, you might be working for like maybe an hour total. So I can literally do a full work day at a center on set. Wow. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. So January of, of 2019 is when you went full time? Um, September. No, this is September. No, January 20th. So I started working at Center August 2017, that August 2018. So August of 2019 was like full. I mean, I went full time August 2018. Okay. okay. After but then went like full, full, full time, like August 2019. Like it was like a Center wasn't like, I was still like between that. Like I, I, I only got paid for a Center for a year. Yeah. I stopped getting paid that that year I was off work. I'd, oh, so from September of 2018, you were? Yeah. So I was essentially, I've been gun ho since then. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what are some things you like about the modeling industry? What are some things you don't like? I mean. Okay. <laughs> uh, I like, <laughs> I think it pays very well. Uh, I like that part. <laughs> um, the free clothes, I would say the free gears is is pretty nice like i don't i don't shop too much anymore which yeah. is kind of nice because a lot of people would just like kind of give me stuff um and so i would say that aspect is nice and then just networking um i really like meeting the people a lot of a lot of i've a lot of my network i've met working and you know you you establish a very good relationship and a respect for one another because when you're on certain high caliber jobs it's like oh they only picked maybe two, three or four of us. So like, we, there's something unique about each other. So like, we should, you know, make sure like that we, you know, it's up to us to, you know, like 
you know, try to learn more about each other because there's obviously something special, like out of a couple thousand people, us two were chosen. So um, there's a lot of respect. Um, a lot of, a lot of my friends in, in the industry, like I would say, um, like we all respect each other because it's like, we know how hard it is to book these jobs and the way we met is like through work. So like, it's a very nice mutual respect. So I would say that's, that's easily my favorite part like the people that i've met on the side. yeah um i guess uh what else um hmm. uh, so um what else can we talk about um What do you, um, I get, uh, I'm blanking on, but, uh, just, I, I think that, um, like, where, where do you see yourself going and, um, what are, um, uh, you know, your future goals in, in the industry? Yeah, I would say, I think in the industry, um, I definitely see myself more as an, as an actor. Um, that's been, you know, I've been focusing, oh, I would say my first year and a half, two years, I was, I was really focusing on, you know, developing, um, my model portfolio, but this past really year, year and a half, I've really been focusing more on the craft of acting. And it's just because I've gotten so much enjoyment out of it because it's been the one tool where I've been able to like freely express like my emotions and acting is it's, it's such great therapy because um, yeah, you can, if, if, if someone gives a script to you and someone gives a script to me, yeah. we have the same exact words, but we're going to read it completely different. And it's because of the subtext, the meaning behind each words. Yeah. So you're able to like articulate your emotions in such like a meaningful way that it feels, feels so good in some scenes you'll be expressing anger and, and your substitute. A lot of it is, so for example, let's say there's, there's, a, there's a character, his name, his name's Billy and you guys get in an argument. A lot of the time we use substitutions. So we, Billy's, Billy is just a name on, is just a name on the paper. Billy has to be somebody yeah. for you to actually have an emotion behind it. So you might, if, if you feel anger towards Billy, you might substitute him I'll use someone like my father, someone who I felt anger to. So it brings out all these great emotions that I've been bottling in for so long. And so I use, I use current people, people from like way back in my life all the time. If it has, gives me an emotional charge, I use it in a scene and I, and it's, it's really helpful because I don't really feel resentment towards people because if, if I'm mad at someone, I'll just put it in my work. Yeah, and then it just, so like when my dad called me the other day, he was expecting me to be mad at him. And I was like, I'm good. Like, if anything, you help me like on a daily basis. It's great. It's great emotional therapy. So I've really enjoyed that. So I guess my goals for that, um, I've been mostly um, doing, so they, they kind of rank it in terms of TV. It's like co-star, which is usually, you know, anywhere from like two to eight lines in an episode guest star, which is like your guest star. So it's like usually six to 15 and then 
series regulars, which is like you're a regular on the TV show um, and stuff like that. So I've been mostly in this like co-star guest star realm. And then I, I do like um, features and like short films where I usually get a lot more lead opportunities. So um, it's honestly just, you know, growing and growing more of that portfolio. But it's been going, it's been going really well. It's been getting. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you when I blanked out. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously part of the modeling, um, part of being a model is being in shape and mm -hmm. uh, how, how is, what have been your keys there to? Yeah, it, whew. My, my, my environment is just really, really set up for, for, for working out. It's like, um, I know people like to think like some people just love working out all the time. Like, yeah, I like, I like working out. I like, I've, I've. I was an athlete, so it was like it's just it's just kind of muscle memory at this point. But when you're not an athlete, you don't necessarily just want to work out all the time. Like I'm busy all the time, so it's like it'd be nice to just like chill. But I in in the like my room, like I will really just have like an ab roller set out. Like I have a sit up machine attached to my door, a pull up machine. Like I write, I plan my. I have a whiteboard with every task I need to complete every single, single day. And I make sure I check off that task and working out as part of that task. So it's usually the first thing I just do in the morning just to get away with it. It's like, because I know I'm not gonna wanna do it at the end of the day. I know I'm not gonna wanna do that. So I just get away with it right in the morning. And I don't work out for too long. Like athletics really made me hate working out for a while because I would train for like four hours, yeah. sometimes five hours or six hours a day. And it would just be, you know, puts a lot on your body. So now it, it's given me the freedom where I only, work, I only have to work out for maybe 45 minutes to an hour, but I'm consistent with it. Yeah. Consistent with it. So I just make sure I, I do something. Even when I don't want to do anything, I'm like, okay. Um, I even have like a subtask list. Okay. OB on days um, that you don't want to work out, still need to give me 50 push-ups and 50 sit-ups. Yeah. Like, all right, I can, I can give that. I can give that at least. Yeah. So, just making sure that you do something. So um, for someone that might be watching this and, you know, is just starting out, what are a couple of things? I mean, obviously for them, you've made it and you have, you've mm -hmm. made it. So they're looking at you um, with, you know, wide eyes and, and looking to learn. Mm -hmm. um, what are maybe a couple of things that, you know, if you were advising them on, you know, if they're just starting out, Mm -hmm. But they want to enter the modeling industry. What are things that? Yeah, I would say, who um, you 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 have to have a clear vision. Um, I think if you don't have the clear vision, you'll you'll be going all over the place in the modeling industry. It's it's as much as like I enjoy being in it. It's also a very tough debt, and it can be very detrimental to uh, you know health and yourself in general. So if you don't have that clear vision, you could go down the wrong path and I've seen people go down the wrong path. So it's like, if your vision is just to make money, it's like, all right, that can't just be the sole vision because then you don't really know yourself. So then anyone with a check can just book you. So that means then you can get into some bad stuff. Like I've seen people, you know, they get into nude shoots, they get into like less, like less tasteful things because they just, their vision was to make money. So one, as long as you're getting the check at the end, of the day, that's what your vision was. But um, so if you don't have a clear vision and you're not doing too well, that's why it's like you need to have that clear vision because sometimes it's hard, especially if you go fully into this. 
you still need to pay your bills. You still need to pay rent. So somebody with a couple thousand dollars, a couple hundred dollars might be able to convince you to do something that you don't want to do because you need it. Um, so when you know who you are and your vision, it doesn't matter. You're like, I'm not going to accept any of that stuff. I'm not going to do that. So, um, and it's especially even worse for, for females. Um, so any, um, females definitely need to have a very strong vision because in California they can definitely take, females are a little more prone to being taken advantage of in the modeling industry. So clear vision. And then that clear vision is like, do you want, do you want to be a high fashion model? Do you want to be a lifestyle model? Do you want to do uh, athletics? Um, do you want to do tech companies? Like what is your look and figuring out your look and like what you market best at. So to figure that out, you know, you're going to have to, you know, test and do photo shoots. So you got to invest in that because most photographers, unless you have an amazing look and they really like you, aren't going to shoot you for free. Yeah. So um, you either have to have those connections um, or you got to be blessed. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so like making sure that you at least have money set aside so that you can um, do photo shoots because that'll allow you to make sure the vision is more clear because you'll realize, oh, you might have wanted to do high fashion, but you don't necessarily have that look. Um, and so your look might actually be better for lifestyle. So now you can work for companies like Target, Gap, um, stuff like that, big box stores. You might not be working for Gucci or Louis Vuitton because they go for very certain niche looks. So figuring that out. So you're not like treading in this water, you know, drowning yourself because you're just doing the wrong thing when the land is right there. It's like, just, just step in and fully focus on this. And I think, um, and I think if you double down on your strengths, you'll definitely get um, a better result. So that staying in shape, you got to, depending on, you know, that's why it's important to figure out your look because it'll help you determine what type of workouts you need to do. So if you're more athletic, you're obviously lifting more, doing a little more athletic things. If you're, you know, a high fashion model, they really don't lift very heavy weights. They have to be very slim. So your workouts will change based on that. So, um, and eating habits too. In terms of the acting, is that something you've done in your past where you had all involved with theater growing up in high school? No, I was, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't involved in any theater at all um, growing up. So it was, yeah, it's, it's, I guess I've always been involved in, you know, expressing myself and, you know, talking to people. I've always enjoyed public speaking. That's kind of going to be my next route. It's like, I, I, I want to dive more into public speaking. So yeah, the, it's the awesome journey about acting is because I'm so new to it. And because of like my discipline and structure that I've, I have like in my life, I'm able, I feel like I'm, I've, seen myself grow very quickly in the field um a lot faster than people just because i just do it every single day like i do i do it every single day like behind me i have scripts i have acting books like that's what i i do it every single day i do something in form that helps my craft and i'm just and i'm just a student i i think that's why i appreciate college because it just taught me to be a student to the game. So I'm just a student to the craft now. Like I'm just studying it nonstop. So I just treat it just like school again, because it's also a job. It's fun, but it's also a job. Like (laughs) I don't, I have to memorize 10 page scripts just for an audition that I might not even get booked for. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that's just to audition. That's not even to work on set. To work on set, that script's completely different. That's a hundred page script that you need to be completely off book for. And you have to have the motions behind it. And you gotta act. It's like it's like it's a whole nother ball game. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, so is there anything I missed? I mean, so you, um, you're modeling, you're acting. Are you, um, are you doing anything else? Um, yeah, and then so right now I've been I've been writing a book um, the past past couple of months. You know, right now we're in quarantine, so I've been able to focus in on it a lot more, which has been um, a real blessing. So the book is called um, From From Corporate Handcuffs to Hollywood Freedom, and it's essentially talks about how I went from the corporate world to uh, working in Hollywood full time. And so I give like a written framework and like things that I did every single day um, that really helped me, you know, just think on a better frequency because I think a lot of it um, is energy. So when you're, when you're vibrating on a higher frequency, you tend to be a lot happier. You tend to be a lot more optimistic. And when you're negative, you're, you know, you're vibrating on a lower frequency, you're more pessimistic. You don't really believe in yourself things can easily affect you. So I kind of give a framework on how, you know, people can really change their mindset because if you change your mind, you can change your life. Your mind has over 62,000 thoughts in a day and most of them are negative. And it's really bad because we allow one negative thought to grow into so something so much bigger um, than it actually is. And it really starts consuming us. So I think we, you have to, it takes a lot of time to, you know, sit, back and change yourself like i had to really reconstructure like my whole my whole like human anatomy in my brain because the way i was thinking wasn't going to be advantageous to becoming successful and certain thoughts contradict themselves so you can't tell yourself you're going to be the best actor and model but then you're still working your job i don't i to me i've never seen anyone else do that um, so unless I become the first person to do it, but if I, if I, if I don't want to work that job, then it doesn't make sense if I become the first person to do it. So, um, your actions really have to align with your thoughts. And so, um, and I think that also stems from the people you surround yourself with and, um, also what you do every day, what, what you consume, what type of content are you consuming? Um, what do you watch on TV? Everything affects it. What do you eat? So I even changed, I, I, I used to eat meat all the time. I went vegan because I didn't want to consume meat anymore so I could see how my body felt. And I did it and my body felt amazing. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start doing this. And so I made so many changes in my, in my life. So I kind of give like, I talk about all that. And then people who want to get into the corporate field, I talk about that, um, my experience because I was also one of very few African American males like working at Accenture. So that obviously came with like its trials and turbulations. So um, yeah, so hopefully the book will be done by 2020. Awesome. Good to hear that. Um, yeah, I think uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll be on the lookout for that book. Um, how can, um, so I, uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I think we've hit every, we've hit Did some a lot. points. Yeah, <laughs> hit some points for sure. <laughs> uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, no, I think, that, was, that was awesome. Yeah, I think that people will love it. Um, 
appreciate you being my first guest and uh, appreciate hey. <laughs> um, how can we support you where can people um, connect with you yeah so um, if you want person I I'm, I'm pretty good with responding to um, uh, like on Instagram so if you want to hit me up on Instagram if I don't answer a direct message honestly you could really comment on a photo and just be like hey I DM'd you I just have a couple questions and I'll literally instantly respond sometimes I just don't see the direct messages but if you comment and say you do like I'm gonna, I'm gonna respond I'm not I'm not one of those people um, and then if you just have any industry questions you can hit you me wanna, up. Do you want to give them your um your handle? Yeah, so it's at it's so I T S O B O B I Nwankwo N W A N K W O. So I'll repeat at I T S O B I N W A N K W O. Um and then my email is on 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 there as well. So if you have um even more personal questions um that need a little bit more attachments or writing out i'm always i'm 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 pretty helpful to people who are trying to get in the industry because um i appreciate you taking that risk and going for it um it's it's a big dream to go for and so i know people had to support me for me to get where i am so i'd love to just be a vessel for other people as well so yeah yeah that's awesome um yeah thank you thank you very much obi uh you're an impressive individual Thank you. <laughs> the hard work that you've done is, you know, from a young age is, uh, you know, just going through what you went through at 11 and continuing to be self-sufficient and work hard. Um, 10, 10 school records and then uh, go out to L.A. and work full time and then do modeling on the side for a year and then finally put in the chips after, like, go in full time. That's a, very impressive. and. A lot of the, the jobs that you've booked is, is just incredible. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so, um, definitely an inspiration to all of us and uh, continued best good luck with uh, modeling and, and acting and, and the book. Um, Thank you. Definitely look forward to it. I'll definitely grab a copy. Hey, let's go. First copy sold. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thank you. I, re I really appreciate you bringing me on. I, I had a great time talking, and you know, you're a great host, bro. Always good energy, so I appreciate you. Thank you, Obi. I will.